Welcome back to Ratchet and Wrench Radio, strategies and inspiration for auto care success. I'm your host, Chris Jones, and today my guest is Jeff Furrow of Wellsboro Automotive. Uh, Jeff is a second generation shop owner who's been in the industry for 35 years. Uh, today, Jeff is going to talk about his passion for training his technicians, how he trains them, the programs he has them on, and how he prepares them to be successful long term. We're also going to take a deep dive into his apprenticeships. He has a very interesting approach to apprenticeships. He talks about why it's important for shop owners to really engage in the community, to engage with Votech and technical schools, and to get involved with local guidance counselors to really pull people into the auto repair shop who may have an interest in this work. Finally, he's going to leave you with some actionable advice for training and for developing your own apprenticeship path at your shop. Here's Jeff. Well, hey, Jeff, welcome to Ratchet and Wrench Radio. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me on. I'm really stoked to talk about this uh, subject. Yeah, no, me too. I'm glad to have you on. And, you know, just, you know, I'm glad you reached out to me. So this is uh, this is something I've been waiting for for a minute just to have this conversation with you. That's cool. I'm happy to share this with uh, other. So, OK, so you're the owner of Wellsboro, you know, Wellsboro Automotive. Right. Wellsboro, Pennsylvania, North Central Pennsylvania. Yeah, so you've been in the industry for 35 years, uh, and you're a second-generation owner. Tell us how you got in the industry. Uh, well, my dad started uh, the business Wellsboro Automotive, under, well, it was called Larry's Tire and Auto Center back in 1979. And uh, I, I never really was interested in being an automotive mechanic. Uh, that was my dad's bag. Um, I was more into uh, computers and programming, and I wanted to be a coder um, and get into that um, part of life as a vocation. And uh, somehow my dad kind of sneaked me into the business and needed some help at one point. And he's like, hey, Jeff, come and help me out. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll try it. And he's like, you don't have to turn wrenches. Just run the front counter and answer the phone. Be nice to folks. And I was pretty cool about that because I've worked in retail before. And that was in uh, 1991. And uh, do the math. <laughs> so it's been a wonderful, rewarding career ever since. Um, he got sick at one point and I had to take over for him. And uh, I be, um, became the defunct boss at that point, uh, de facto boss, I should say, um, when he had to retire. So um, my wife and I ended up buying the business off my mom and dad who started it. And uh, that was 2005. I've been the business owner ever since. And it's been a wonderful ride um, and interacting with my uh, team and running a business in a small town, rural community of uh, populations like 5,000 in the immediate area. And we have 49,000 in our ca county. So enough cars to work on and enough uh, wonderful garages around us to not be in competition with, but um, be in friendship with. Yeah. So tell us how big is your shop in terms of like bays, square footage, and how big is your staff? Well, we have, uh, it's uh, four lift bays and one flat bay, so five total bays. Um, it's a smaller shop. Um, it's um, like most of the mom and pop shops you see out there with four bays or three bays or whatever, but we have five, uh, one flat bay. Uh, we're hoping to expand in the near future, so it's um it's a nice small operation right now. Hoping to expand out to maybe uh, eight, six, eight bays soon here in the next year or two, and uh, it's it's fun. It's a fun operation to to run. Okay, and how, how big is your staff? What's the size of your team? Oh, the staff size. Okay, well, I uh, I'm actually running the front counter as service advisor right now. Um, I had my daughter and another service advisor at one point, and 2020 put the kibash on that one. Um, just due to lack of cars driving on the road needed to, I mean, we had seven on staff at that point and uh, I had to scale down to 
Um, my daughter went away and had some baby grandbabies for me. That was cool. And so she got off the counter and I had to let my other fella go um, just due to lack of cars to work on. So we didn't have the money coming in, so we couldn't pay people. So I ended up running the counter for the last three years, um, just trying to, you know, be lean, lean, mean and green and uh, make money instead of uh, just having a large staff. So right now I'm on the front counter. My wife does the bookkeeping like mom and pop shops do. My team is comprised of, I think we have four full-timers right now and one part-time fellow that comes and helps seasonally. And I also have a, I hired a part-time um, service advisor that helps me when he can, mainly over the summers. Um, he works at a high school as a security guard. So the service advisor can help me uh, three to four months during the summer break from school. And then here and there throughout the, the rest of the year as the his schedule can provide. So four full-time technicians, three of them which are um, either graduated apprentices or GS techs, or we also have one uh, senior technician besides myself. Um, so that's the, the kind of the landscape of my business. Okay. And you're a master yourself, right? Yes, I'm a master technician. Okay. So one thing you're passionate about is training. Tell us about the importance of training to you. Well, I'm very passionate. Yeah, I am very enthusiastic about the subject. So training, um, we have a robust apprenticeship program, and there's a whole evolution or process of how I bring my apprentices, A, find my apprentices and bring them in, and uh, how I onboard them and how I bring them up through my apprenticeship program, and that's usually a two-year program. We'll get into that in a little bit, I'm sure. Um, but we keep training constantly. I, I, on the least, expect my staff to do 40 hours of training a year, um, either on their own or as a group. We always, that's the, the low bar. Uh, um, we constantly train. Right now is Wednesday. Um, my staff, as you and I interview together, um, are in doing a training video on how to better fix cars processes and procedures and tools to use and stuff like that. So weekly we get together, we have lunch. I'm usually in there with them and sit in the training room and, um, you know, we have some lunch together. So they get paid through um, lunch. They get a paid lunch. They get food to eat. And I sit them down in front of an hour's worth of training that I pick uh, weekly. So we rarely skip that. So that's easily 50 hours of training right there that we do as a group. Um, on the other side of the coin, we give them individually individualized training through um, learning management systems. Um, there's different companies I use. Um, we can get a little more into that if you would like. Um, but typically, um, I'm training the guys on, you know, from the owner's point. I train the uh, I train the, the master technicians or the, the bigger, the older technicians or the more experienced technicians under me. And they, in turn, will train my apprentices or general service technicians, where we work alongside as a mentee-mentor type of program. Um, but individually, they train um, online, uh, learning-based classes, uh, video training. Um, we do testing. We are really involved in the ASE program. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of different training avenues we use um, to bring the fellows up and get them experienced. And a lot of hands-on. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a really good system you got there, the kind of the trickle down from top to bottom where, you know, you're teaching and it goes to the next guy to the next guy. Uh, I think that's that's a really great way to do it. So the 40 hours, um, what are some of the LMS that you guys are using to prepare your guys? 
mainly the video-based training we like. Um, so I pick, there's a lot of YouTube videos out there that are very informative, step-by-step um, -step process guides. Um, there's a lot of trainers on YouTube that pretty much will give it away for free. Um, a lot of master technicians will take um, a case study and uh, they'll go through how they fixed the car, how they diagnosed it. They'll videotape it. And we watch the, the products of those. So that's a lot of free training we, we utilize on just YouTube. We also use um, uh, CarQuest Technical Institute has a lot of training modules on there and a lot of live classes that you can attend um, in person or online. And I really enjoy the online uh, versions of those because we can do them at our pace. So the recorded classes, we could watch a trainer um, teach a certain subject. We can go over them individually or as a group, which I love. So CarQuest Technical Institute is a really big, big, big tool we use. They also have training for the uh, the ASE tests on the CTI LMS program. And I use uh, acronyms like CTI is the CarQuest Technical Institute, and there's a learning management system. Um, there are a lot of them out there. There's one called Today's Class Technician. So Today's Class Technician is a an app-based learning management system in which the technicians can go log on the app on their phone. They can take tests and get information um, in little small bits. So, you know, every every day they can log on to the app and for five minutes they can learn a new skill, um, get taught a new procedure, and in turn test them on that. They ask some questions about what they learned. And it's it's AI driven, which is really neat because I can I have like a dashboard I can look at and I can view their progress on what they've trained on, what they've learned, um, what their competencies are, and if they need help or more testing or more training in a, in a certain area, I can um, view that and target their training to what their needs are. Wow, that's well, you got a precision, uh, get precision down, man, for that. <laughs> so, as far as the training goes, um, so are they, I know they're training in shop with you and getting. Are they mostly getting their 40, 40 hours during the lunchtime sessions with you? Or are they are they working after hours as well? Well, that's the bulk, and that's that's the thing about, um, especially the young technicians. Um, I I value the work life balance. Um, that's one of the things I really really strive as a business owner. I went to four years of business school with Automotive Training Institute in Baltimore, and they taught me as part of the human um, resources bit that we learned is really value your technicians, um, family time, home time, and that that gives it creates a nice culture. So we're not we're not really big into after hours training. I do encourage it if they want to you know do some study on they have apps and I, I send them videos they can watch um, on their off hours, but. My my big thing is I want to pay them to train. I, I want them learning on my time. They can have fun and be with their families and do their hobbies on their time. So from 8 to 5, if I want to pick a time, especially the once a week um, lunch and learns that we do, um, that provides our baseline training that we need for the year that I, I encourage them to do. But I also, if we get a slow moment in the shop and I, I see they have a hole in their schedule, um, I'll bring them to the side and I say, I'll say, hey, let's uh, log on the CarQuest Technical Institute um, app and let's um, go through uh, brake service. Um, you're, I see you're a little lacking in, you know, how you're performing this job or that job. And I'll pick a module for them to, to learn and train on that day. So I always, I will always pay them and I'll always do training on shop time 
and that's why that's how I'm 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 loving um, since the uh, COVID uh, situation. A lot of stuff has gone to web-based um, recorded sessions, so we don't have to ask them to go to a hands-on class after hours because the the guys are working hard, you know, banging from eight to eight o'clock to five o'clock. They're fixing cars. They're done. And then you ask them to drive to a, a, a live um, instructor-led classroom, maybe an hour away, uh, training, and they're they're tired. Um, they shove some food at them. They'll throw a pizza on the table and say, hey, we give you free dinner. Yes, that's great. And you, you pay for the class and you get free dinner, but it's 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock or 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock at night. They're not going to really absorb all that. So I want them fresh and I'll give them their training hopefully in the morning or at lunchtime. And then, you know, because I, I don't want to ask my, my folks to, at the end of the day, hey, listen, you put a full day of work in. Now you're going to go to training and, you know, spend three or four hours of your life away from the shop on your own time to, to learn your vocation. That should be, as a professional uh, business owner, I want to pay for their training on my time, not their time. So that's the work-life balance piece that I've really worked on. How about uh, the conferences and expos like Vision or STX? Do you send the guys out for training there? Uh, we haven't gone, this group hasn't gone, this latest group of folks I've had. I've had several rotations of um, team members along the way, of course, but this, this latest version hasn't gone to a conference. But um, I'm going to be speaking in a class. I'm on a panel in a class, hopefully, at STX this year. It's still, we're still working on the class, so I, I'm not, I'm, I'm hopefully going to be on this panel um, at STX in Nashville um, in April. So CarQuest um, and WorldPack have inter uh, invited me to run an apprenticeship class um, at STX. So the still in the works. That's not a pat thing. I might be letting the cat out of the bag, and and uh, we'll, we'll we're working on that. So I hopefully we'll see everybody at STX. And Vision next year um, is on the plate for us to close the shop and go as a group to Vision. So in Kansas City. So that's that's one thing I want to do. So I, the the expos and the uh, the technical uh, training sessions, uh, the two three day ones, um, I think are very important too because you get to sit down, and network in person with other shop owners and other technicians, and get ideas and and just powwow and maybe you get some better processes and procedures, um, just talking to other folks. So yes, the, uh, the definitely Apex, SEMA, all those Vision STX are very important to get your crew to, um, and you know if you. I, I think it's the money well spent. Um, you say I can't afford it, but you know, just like training, I can't afford training. I can't afford to spend money on training for my folks, and that's you know backwards. You, you put the training, you put the money there to get the training, and then in turn you get a better better product as an employee or teammate um, that they can provide better service for you, faster service and better service for um, our out, outside customers, our um, ones that come through the door. So you're, if you train your internal customers and give it enough money and enough nurturing and the best culture you possibly can to get those folks trained up, um, so our internal customers or our teammates, our employees, they are serving our external customers, the people coming through the door with problems on their cars. If you train them well enough um, before they have a problem, they can solve a problem or a diagnostic issue faster um, than they had been able to before. So if you put the money into it, the good culture, um, they're doing it on our time. That's great. And then we can do the, uh, the away from shop things like the expos. Okay. You know, and, and of course, you know, 
training is something that, you know, people have to do and it's really important. Sometimes people may want to train, may, may not want to train. How do you keep your guys engaged in training? Like, how do you keep them just hungering for it or wanting to continue to train? I know food, of course, you know, food, if you put food on the table, people <laughs> show up. <laughs> but beyond that, you know, I know, how do you, how do you, you know, help them with that aptitude to want to learn and grow? Well, we, uh, we try to keep it fun. Of course, um, you can't make it dull. And I, I always, um, so I, I, when I pick, um, some web-based training and learning, um, modules, I, I always watch them first. And I always say to the guys, 90% of the time, if I hand you a module or a training session, I've watched it first. I'm going to make sure the speaker's engaging. I'm going to make sure it's not boring and doldrum and very, you know, technical, technical, technical. Um, I'm hoping the speaker's in, engaging and, and entertaining. So we try to keep it fun, especially when we're working as a group and we watch a video. We'll discuss things and, you know, and we do put a carrot on a stick. So if my teammates meet their absolute minimum, which I'm guaranteed to do because we do the weekly training, um, if, if they do the that one of the criterias for uh, raises and pay um, is that they do their minimum training. So I just make sure they do that. But the, uh, say like the ASE test, as they're going through my, I have a two year program for apprenticeship where I get a young guy or girl in, I try to start them in their uh, junior or senior year in high school. Um, I'll get them in, I'll uh, get them on board, um, just treat them well, as, as well as you possibly can as a shop owner. Um, just just don't make it make work fun as much as you can and make the training fun so that all co combined um makes a good culture and a, and a nice place to work you know it's a good environment um you're helping your other teammates and i kind of make it challenging i, I do little um contests you know to see who can do what or what who can you know can oh and, and we always make it a big thing too when somebody earns their like state inspector's license or gets a new asc certification it's a party at wellsboro automotive um, so we kind of gamify it. I give them little bonuses here or there. Um, I, I always just, you know, I, I, it should be a little more structured than I've had done it recently. But if they earn an ASE certification, they get a dollar an hour raise. That's a carrot on a stick. It's not making it fun, but it makes it fun in, on payday. So yeah. every time they get a new certification or, you know, they keep their training up, you know, it gets a raise in pay. And plus we have a party or they get to pick their favorite food or we go out to eat in town at a restaurant or something like that. So yeah, every time they they get a big um, progress or hurdle made with training, I always celebrate it. Now you seem like a very relationship oriented guy. So does, does that aspect of your personality really help in helping with the team want to be engaged with training and learning? Cause it seems like you're like, you're taking guys under your wing. It seems like you're, you know, you're talking to them, you're encouraging them to learn various aspects or fixing certain weaknesses in their game. And it seems like, you know, they're taking that in. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, as the business owner and actually being in daily operations, um, in my role, I do, I treat them like, um, family, um, everybody that comes in the door as a candidate for, you know, to be a technician, I like to raise them from the ground up. So definitely I'm the head coach, man, on this team, I'm the head coach. I got to treat everybody right. Um, it's not all sunshine and flowers. Sometimes, you know, we got to, you know, take back and um, do some coaching up on them if they, you know, something happens negatively or they don't perform well. Of course, you know, just like being a good dad or um, a good mom um, on a team, if you're a female business owner, um, we're going to we're going to watch these guys. We're going to nurture them. We're going to take care of them. We're going to make sure they have a great work environment, 
great place to work, enough money in their pocket to be happy and, and do their hobbies and stuff like that. So, yes, I do every one of my guys and, and girls when team. Um, just like family, and that's the only way you got you. That's why you got to have it. And we're we're a big group, and we're a big, we're a tribe here, and that's what we you know, we're going to try to keep other each other um, engaged and happy. And that's the 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 back and forth I always try to get with the the guys and girls that work for me is we're here to help each other, and I'm and you know, I'm going to give you the training and provide you to make it to make your job as easy as possible. Because you're 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 knowledgeable about what you do, and you're a professional technician or service advisor, and I just make sure they have a training to make their job easy and fun and exciting. Let's talk about the other side of the coin, the apprenticeships. You know, I know you're, I know you're excited about that. It's something you love to do. Uh, talk about you know how you got started with that. Like what what led you into you know bringing in apprentices into the shop? Well. There's always been some sort of informal apprenticeship type of training, but I never put pet um, situations on. I never uh, did my process as well as I should have. Um, I didn't write things down. I kind of did it as, you know, the the individual candidate came in. I saw what their weaknesses and strengths were, and I'd uh, personally see to it that they got whatever they needed, whether it be hands-on, showing them how to do stuff, doing the mentor-mentee thing. Um, but I now I have a, uh, a written down process to where I can actually put them through different stages of, you know, right from they don't know how to work on a car, they're out of high school, they just are interested in cars or whatever background they came from. They might be pretty good at working on cars because they did it as a hobby, you know, working on their car as a teenager. Um, so I, I meet them where they're at and then I bring them up from that. So like I had mentioned before, I have a two-year program. I split that up into eight quarters. So I track their process. I give them tasks and, and training and things to learn. I challenge them on whether they learned it or not. So they take tests on the stuff I've given them to learn. I evaluate how how good they learned it. And then we coach up on their what they didn't do so well on. And then we um, keep running with what they did learn really well. And uh, I'll I'll throw them different jobs during the, the during the day. I'll watch their schedule to see what kind of jobs are coming through the door. So if I know one guy is a little you know weak on diagnostics, I'll get another fella who's you know graduated or gone further in my program. I'll pair him with the fella who's not so great on that certain task like diagnostics or whatever it may be, um, and I'll pair them together and I'll I'll let the the one guy mentor. The younger fella, usually the younger fella, some not always, you know, it's not always the younger guys that aren't great at like diagnostics or electricity. I have I have a guy who just graduated my program. Um, he just got a state inspector's license. He graduated um, in June, two years of apprenticeship with me. Um, he's mentored with our senior tech and myself. Um, he's really good at diagnostics. He um, In June, he got his state inspector's license. And in August, just past August. He got he passed two ASE certifications, so he's actually a little bit better at diagnostics than my senior technician, who's got you know ten years or fifteen years of experience, whatever he has. Um, he the, the young guy is just brilliant, and he's watched everything um, electrical and and computer based. He's actually I him with my now senior technician, which he's gone over and above 
Um, my senior tech is can pull engines out and take them apart and put them back together, but not so great on the diagnostics. So in reverse, and this is what keeps this program evergreen, are my fellows and girls that pass my program and graduate from my program, they're not only going to train the new candidates coming in that are green and new and don't know anything. And um, I can start the program, but this is where I put a process in place to where I can mold my my apprenticeship program when somebody graduates and becomes knowledgeable and really good at fixing cars i pair them either you know if i if if i bring in uh an older technician just right off the street maybe coming from another area different garage i bring them into my shop one of my um graduate students can train a 40 year old technician and they the the apprenticeship apprentice uh who just graduated might only be 20. so what whatever skills we're lacking on use the mentee mentorship uh, idea sometimes in reverse sometimes it's going to be with a young kid coming in not knowing anything and sometimes it's an older technician that just doesn't is lacking skills in a certain area somebody younger might have trained up better on and have better knowledge and better grasp on that idea to fix the car better and then i'll train you know i'll have them sit together fix the car together and show each or have the uh, whoever's the master at that situation train the other fella here's how i did it here's my process here's my here's how i was thinking here's the resources i used to get there so it it it's it's wonderfully it's it's adaptable either way forwards and backwards yeah well, that's a great way to handle it cuz it's like you know if you want anything to stick you got to teach it you know and having your you know having your newly you know minted team members teach the apprentices and such and so forth it helps that knowledge to stick for both of them yep and it helps the train keep rolling um and it keeps the program evergreen and, and going in a circle because you train the first apprentice and you get him for two years and you get him trained up he gets his ASE certifications he's knowledgeable um you get another high school graduate that comes out diploma in hand wants a vocation you've already gone to the career uh career fairs and job panels up at the high schools and and wherever to get candidates and you bring them in, you let them job shadow you for a little bit and they like they like what you do, they're, they're interested in the career and you show them a career path, you know, here's how you get from graduating high school and look at, you know, look at the guy who's mentoring you, this is Titus, he's graduated the program, he's making this amount of money, he's very knowledgeable in all this situation and how to diagnose cars and how to fix them, so we're going to pair you with him. So then in turn, two years later, you got two guys or girls, if it's a girl who comes in, you got two guys or girls that can train two more people. So even, and then it will help you expand your business too. It just makes sense to have an in-house apprenticeship program. Yeah. Now you mentioned Titus. I know, I know Titus is one that you're very proud of. Tell us about Titus and like, you know, what made him such a great apprentice and what's made him great now? Well, the one thing I do like to do when I'm, uh, judging which candidates to bring in and not every candidate's going to work out and they may uh, come and go as for other reasons for different reasons but Titus in particular um, he um, on the advice I his dad was a customer of mine this is a cool way to get an apprentice dad was a customer of mine and he mentioned that the, his son was in the cars and he, he was interested in uh, fixing cars and he might think about it for a career and he was looking at other career ideas um, I heard about this and I, I said, well, let's uh, let's talk to the high school guidance counselor where he's going to high school. He was a junior at that time 
And I said, let's do a job shadowing program. I said, send him over uh, three days a week for, you know, three or four hours in the afternoon. His, uh, he actually, uh, he graduated a valedictorian of his class. And I was there, I was at his graduation, which was really cool. Um, but we set up the job shadowing program with his guidance counselor in his junior year, uh, two semesters. He visited my shop, um, like I said, three days a week, two or three hours in the afternoon. Um, that was a non-paid internship just so he could hang out with me and watch me and see what we do. And and I said, you know, if you if you like the, get into what we're doing, um, it can become a career. So he actually took a summer job from a, between his junior and senior year with me. And it was a paying gig. And I paid him minimum wage, and he helped out busting tires, and we sh showed him how to change oil, and and uh, he he was pretty cool with that. And he was, I, I noticed he was, you know, really into the computer diagnostic aspect that I was doing. So he kind of hung out with me a lot while I was diagnosing cars back then. I was uh, in in the base actually, um, on the counter and in, in the base. So I started. I noticed he had the, the uh, aptitude for computer diagnostics and analysis. So I kind of targeted his training towards that. And uh, so his senior year, he kept the same thing where he would go to school, um, get his credit, accredited classes to graduate, and then come uh, hang out with me three days a week still through his senior year. So he graduated valedictorian. Awesome. I was there and watched him graduate. I was a very proud um, mentor. And then uh, he took a full-time job with me, and he decided this is his career path. We're going to do this. I started him out on a base salary. At that time, it was like maybe... 10 12 dollars an hour or so you know mcdonald's rate but the the cool thing about what titus learned um and he's going to pass on and he's actually going to be um hopefully at sdx with me this year um is we're going to teach the uh a garage owners and then prospective uh, uh candidates that you don't have to go to a two-year school and pay twenty-eight thousand dollars a year and come out with a toolbox and a diploma and you may or may not be able to work on cars this is a it's a free or paid, you know, gig that can help them learn a vocation. And Titus in particular just excelled in the computer diagnostic spectrum of it. So we, all his training I targeted at that. And now what's funny is after he graduated his program and he's ASE certified and he's got his state inspector's license and he's making, you know, close to $20 an hour because every time he gets a certification, he gets an extra dollar an hour raise. Um, so he's gotten three certifications. I gave him um, some training bumps uh, for pay. Um, when he uh, reaches a couple of certain hurdles in my own program, I give him a 50 cent raise because he completed this training or that training. So, you know, along the way, he's making close to $20 an hour. He's two years into it. And every ASE he learn, earns after this, of course, another dollar per hour raise. So he's really eyeing that master certification, which is nine tests at this point. So he gets another, you know, um, gets up to master technician and is making $29 an hour in the next year or two. So that's pretty good for a start out tech. So he's pretty stoked about the whole situation. I'm really happy because I got a great diagnostician who's teaching my other guys and girls when they come in. This is how we do it. This is our process. And so I'm really proud of the kid. He's, he's awesome. He's just doing a great job. And I have others just like him. And so he's just one of my good success stories. And so I have other apprentices. I just started one, two, three months ago, and he came out of a job corps. That's another way to get um, candidates or young fellows and girls to come into my apprenticeship program as a job corps, as a state-funded program where they live on campus and learn um, a trade. So I got 
Um, he came out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, or somewhere down that way out of the Job Corps. He had done 11 months um, with them, lived on campus, did automotive training, and his name is Chris. He did 11 months with him, and his last month was to spend working at a garage. So I volunteered myself. I said, he can come up, and he actually has family in here. He stayed with them with the, while he worked for me for three to four weeks. Um, I reported Chris's grades to his, his advisor down in his uh, Job Corps program, and then he graduated that because he worked and did his uh, um, internship with me for the last four, four weeks. I'm sorry, four weeks. Um, so he got 12 months total with the, the Job Corps. He is now an apprentice with me. He's been working for me full-time in the garage as a GS tech, and he's going through my apprenticeship program right now. He's doing the first quarter of my apprenticeship program. So um, it's, it's, uh, it's a wonderful process to, to watch the, the, them grow and learn. And they just, um, I can, every, and you, you said I had this relationship aspect to my, to my personality. And it is, I, I love to watch them grow and learn and, you know, just watch them be proud of themselves when they learn a new skill or a new task that they can do or new procedure. It's just cool. Yeah, that was a great story. Those are great stories. Uh, I love hearing those success stories. Uh, and that's, it's, it's remarkable that you, you know, got a guy who is a valedictorian who could probably go anywhere he wants to go, <laughs> you know, for, for college or career and he chooses that he won't, you know, chooses automotive. Uh, it's such a testimony to us. Yeah. It's, it's phenomenal. Now, something you mentioned is just finding, finding apprentices. You mentioned, you know, job core, you mentioned, you know, the high schools, where else have you been successful in finding apprentices? The funny thing is you can find them anywhere in your community. Um, you just look for bright, engaging young folks, um, guys and girls that have a good attitude. Attitude's everything. I mean, attitude and well, and smarts, of course, but you, you engage somebody in a conversation. One of my, uh, one of my apprentices from like four or five years ago, um, no longer with me, long story on that one, he moved away, but, um, he, he was working at a convenience store and I engaged him in conversation just like you would at any checkout lane. You would just, you know, start a conversation with the person waiting on you and you never know whether they're going to be a good service advisor, um, customer service rep, uh, technician. And I noticed he had a, a tattoo on his forearm of a seven sixteen cents wrench. And so I engaged him. I said, why do you have that there? He said, well, I like to work on cars as a hobby. Um, he said, me and my dad get together and we're building this classic car up together. And I said, you ever think about doing that as a vocation instead of working at a convenience store? He says, oh, that'd be pretty neat. And so I brought him in. I, I interviewed him and he interviewed well and he was a smart guy and um, very uh, good attitude. And so I figured he'd be a good candidate for my apprenticeship program. So he's actually one of my first true um, start in where I actually wrote down my process, um, tracked my progress with the fellows and girls, whoever does this. Then his name was Nick. He, he was working at a convenience store. I found out, you know, good personality, smart. Hey, you know, like that, like the working on cars. So I said, good fit. Let's go. And I hired him and he worked for me like for two years before he moved, he moved away down South to some family. But that's how a lot of things go uh, with some of the candidates I find there. You can find them anywhere. Um, they don't always have to be just right out of high school. I mean, veterans, you can find um, at your local uh, veterans association. There's guys and girls coming out of the Army, Air Force, Navy, and that kind of stuff, Marines. And they might have been in the motor pool. They might have been doing maintenance, working on aircraft. And they come out of the Army, they don't have a job, and they're looking for the jobs. So I've actually hired veterans before um, to come on my team as apprentices. You know, and they're 30 years old or 28 years old or whatever. They just decided not to be in the Army or the Air Force anymore. They want to travel. They want to come back home. 
So veterans organizations are awesome to reach out to them and say, hey, you know, if you got anybody looking for a job and they can come down and shadow and, you know, non-pay for a week or two just to hang out the garage, see if that's what they want to do. And we'll see if they have the attitude and the aptitude to do the to do the job. And if they do and they they they're interested, then we hook up and, you know, shake hands and they become part of my apprenticeship program. And it just uh, it's just a wonderful cycle of a how to get people and how to retain people and, and how to, you know, keep, keep them training and keep them smart about the job that they do. Yeah. So it seems like a good quality to have as a shop owner is really just to be interested in people. Yeah. You got to put yourself out there. I mean, we're not an island amongst ourselves. We're, we're part of a community and we're business owners and entrepreneurs. And um, even if you don't, if you're a shop owner that doesn't work in daily operations like I do, you're just a business owner who owns a garage. And I know a lot of owners like that. Um, they're not daily operations. They're just watching, you know, make sure they're doing money and getting the marketing's getting done. They're, they have managers reporting to them, but store managers, um, at the garage level and, uh, shop managers can be the mentor for the apprenticeship program. All you have to do is set it up. Um, and I, I, I always, I will always share my, um, processes with anybody who wants to listen. Um, if you're a shop owner and interested in creating your own apprenticeship program, hopefully if you want to attend SDX, STX this year, um, find, find the class that says um, fixing your me mechanic shortage problem. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's going to be a class all about mechanic you know, or technician shortage. Whatever the class title ends up being, um, I'll, I'll be there and I'll show you how to do it. Yeah. Something else you mentioned I want to go back to was this idea of being observant. Um, you talk about, you've, you've mentioned a couple of times where you've noticed a particular technician either has a strength in something or a weakness in something. You're quick to observe it, address it, and put them on the path to getting to where they need to be. Talk about why that's important for a shop owner to, to be observant and to know, you know where his people are in terms of their skill level. Well, it's just like... Um... You know, watching a sports game, you got to be involved. You can't just, it can't go on autopilot. You just can't throw training at a technician, say, here, train, and not, you know, observe the results. You you have to be active in their training and the results that you get out of it. Um, or it, it's, it's like having a garden and never watering it or never checking on it or never weeding it. You're not going to get good results. You're not going not gonna to get the fruit from the program. So it's good, it, you have to have, and somebody in the organization has to be in charge of the training, whether it be a shop manager, owner, manager, whoever. You have to constantly touch base with these folks. I, I would say on a daily basis, how you doing? Um, how would you get out of the training, you know, and keep your ear to the ground? You might be throwing training out there you think is great, but they think it's dull, or they didn't get anything out of it, or they didn't really learn anything out of it. So you gotta be proactive on and and uh and, and act proactive and reactive on whether it's doing good or not or whether it's doing good for your folks or not and if it's doing if the training you put out there is good they'll let you know and hey i really got something out of that it was awesome and uh whatever training they do get that week um i try to get them a job that lets them prove their um uh, account or uh, lets them prove themselves and th that they can do that that job that i trained them on so it's they get training and then immediately I get them a job. Hopefully it's suited towards that training to check their competency and make sure, Hey, they know what they're doing. They got something out of the training. They learn how to diagnose that, whatever. Um, and if, and if I see them struggling or they got to come to me, maybe I didn't give them the correct training or the correct vehicle for the training or, you know, whatever they needed. 
maybe I didn't do it right. So I listened to the folks after I give them the training. Did it work for you? Were you engaged? Did you like it? And if it's not, we'll, we'll you know, back up 10 and punt. We'll do something different. <laughs> so you, you got to be flexible in that respect as whoever's in charge of the apprenticeship program um, to be able to be flexible and, and run with the ball when, when it's working and or jump on it when it's not. All right. And in, in closing, you know, what, what piece of advice do you, would you like to pass on to shop owners about either, you know, apprenticeships or training, you know, that, that can help them, you know, or that's actionable today, something they can use today and apply to their business? Big question, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing to do is start. I mean, the, the first, you know, the trip of a thousand miles starts with the first step. So the thing is, learn learn about it yourself. Um, there's plenty of guides online. Just type in automotive apprenticeship program and on Google or Bing or whatever you use and start learning. Go to a class, find find training out there. It's out there, it's on YouTube. Um, I'm getting ready to start my own YouTube video um, platform on my shop uh, page that's just gonna help owners get focused and how to start an apprenticeship program, how to be engaged with their folks, how to build the culture, um, how to train themselves. I mean, not every shop owner is suited to be a mentor. They're, they might be great businessmen or women, but they might not be relationship driven like me and great with people. So they gotta find somebody in their organization that can do that for them. So, you know, the first step is the first step decide you want an apprenticeship program yes you do why do you want it it's going to train my people it's going to get me new people it's going to get me awesome people you know it's very important to have an apprenticeship program i hate to use the the word so often but i you know i just going to throw apprenticeship 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 <laughs> it's it's training your folks and if it even the folks that are already there in your shop need the training they need to know new stuff there's a, a bunch of new technologies coming out in cars if you're not training it, they're not going to know it. It's going to come in the shop, and they're going to mess something up on you. Um, they're going to cost you money. So a trained employee is a money-making employee. That's all there is to it. So if you don't have an active program for training or and or apprenticeship, you got to start it. So train yourself first. Make sure you're ready. I mean, you you got to make sure make sure you're on top of stuff, man. You got to you got to know the you got to know how to train people. You got to know your human resources. You got to know is your culture good? You don't want to bring somebody into a place with negative culture, you know, that's it's not a great place to work. They're not going to want to be there long. So you might spend time in training them, but if you have a toxic environment, so they won't want to stay. So you just wasted all that time and effort in training and money or whatever in your time. So make sure you have a great place to work first. Make sure you have an awesome culture and a great team. And if you have a negative person on your team, don't be don't be that guy to, or girl that waits too long to get rid of them get rid of them get somebody different and you know if you don't have a good player in that spot get a good player and get rid of the old player that just wasn't doing good for you so like just start out learn 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 figure it out and use resources available to you um carquest technical institute will have a program on there napa has a good uh, program for an apprenticeship program so Napa, it's available to their Napa Auto Care Centers. TechNet through Advance has an awesome resource in the CarQuest Technical Institute um, on how to train as service advisors and technicians. So just 
teach yourself um, first that you need an apprenticeship program. Um, encourage yourself to stick with it. And if you don't do it right, like I have, my 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 program's ever evolving, and I'm changing it every quarter. And it's not it's not that one thing I wrote down and we're going to do. It's evolving, and if it doesn't work, I switch a foot and I do it differently. But just do it. Thanks for your time today, Jeff. That was great. That was great, Chris. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate talking to you. You're awesome. And that's going to do it for us here today at Ratchet and Wrench Radio. Uh, I'd like to invite you to follow us on our social media channels on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as subscribe to our email newsletter, which goes out daily. Uh, and you can find that at ratchetandwrench.com. And that's R-A-T-C-H-E-T-A-N-D-W-R-E-N-C-H.com. And may the rest of your day be the best of your day. And we'll see you next week.